Welcome to Broadband Action, the C-Band podcast. I'm Curtis Dean, your host. Back after a bit of a hiatus, quite frankly, this guy's been so busy since February. I haven't been able to roll out a podcast, but I'm really glad to, as we get back into the groove here, I've got a fascinating guest and a fascinating topic. So we're going to be talking today about Althea. And uh, joining me is uh, Deborah Simpier. She is what CEO? I believe. Is that right, Deborah? Yeah, I'm the CEO of a company called Hawk Networks that built um, what is Althea. And so I consider myself to be a co-founder of, uh, of the Althea platform. And we'll talk about the relationship between Hawk Networks and Althea here in just a second, because Althea is really kind of an application that is being used to deploy fixed wireless networks or fiber networks or any other kind of network. And Hawk Networks also builds those types of networks. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. We, we sort of think about it like the relationship between Red Hat and Linux. So Althea is like the operating system. It's a routing mm-hmm. and billing protocol. And, um, you know, Hawk Networks is the one that kind of helps support the implementation, all the tooling, helps other, you know, helps people set up Althea Networks or we run our own, um, mm-hmm. you know. That, uh, and so that's kind of how we, that same Red Hat is Hawk Networks. Althea kind of like Linux. Gotcha. That's fantastic. So um, here on this podcast, we talk about all all topics related to digital equity. And one of the big inequities in America today is broadband access. And that's really where you guys are filling a gap. So if you could maybe kind of start at the beginning, how did how did this come about? Um, and, uh, you know, how is it how has it evolved? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I'm going to take you all back to, uh, you know, 2016, 2017, Oregon, little town, you know, just like many, many towns in uh, our communities across the U.S. Didn't have very good Internet access. Um, But, you know, we saw some granting here. So there's about a thousand people. There was about a million dollar grant to provide, you know, broadband access. Um, But like the same outcome that we see over and over again. You do get some build um, out of that grant money, but it still leaves so many behind as the, you know, the the providers of broadband really focus on where they can get the kind of most uh, economic benefit for their one, you know, fiber optic cable or deployment. Um, and then because it's, it's so siloed, um, it creates artificial dead ends. And so then all of the other folks around didn't have internet access. And, um, you know, we see this in the, even the broadband mapping that just sort of came out, you'll see a bunch of green dots and a little cluster of homes that are connected. But right around that, you'll see all these little red dots in proximity. And these are all these people that are left behind. Um, So we really started looking at, at, you know, network building and really solving the digital divide from a systemic perspective um, back in, you know, like early, you know, 2017. And that's really where the Althea protocol came about is like, how can we leverage the assets that already exist in a community? How can we create sort of more agile, resilient routing and remove these artificial dead ends? And that's really what Althea um uh, was set out to do and now is in 10 U.S. states, been deployed in four countries and has solved 
the the digital divide for many different settings, whether that's urban or rural or emerging market or whatever that looks like. Wherever there are un or underserved people, right? Essentially. And we talk about serve does not necessarily mean there's no broadband there, right? It just means that maybe the broadband is there is something they can't get, afford, or otherwise available to them, or they just don't want to do business with some big, huge mega corporation that doesn't even know who their customers are. Yeah, I think there's a there's a really interesting statistic, and it's um, that 72 million Americans, which is roughly like one third uh, of us, use prepaid phones um, mm-hmm. instead of you know doing a phone on a contract. And I think that's really indicative of the fact that you know the the sort of monthly contract with a credit check and you know having almost like a utility bill isn't really accessible to a large segment of Americans who maybe don't have access to a bank. I mean, if you go into many of these areas where people are experiencing poverty, they're not banking at a traditional bank. They're banking at a check cashing or the gas station or whatever else. These are the same um, folks that are now being precluded from accessing broadband just simply because of the way they bank or all of that. So I think, you know, when I look at who my target that I'm trying to reach when I talk about digital inequity, I'm thinking about that 72 million Americans who are using prepaid phones. Those are most likely the folks that, um, you know, Detroit, for example, one in out of every four, um, 24% of Detroit does not have access to internet at their home. So this is not necessarily just a rural problem. A lot of it's also MDUs where, hey, fiber to the curb, fiber to the building, but that copper wiring <laughs> yeah, inside yeah. the building, or we, we've come in the coax and there's bird nests up in it. Oh and, you Lord, know. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, the, the infrastructure is all kinds of states of things, but the reality is we can keep throwing money at it. We've thrown a lot of money, I think somewhere in the order of a hundred billion dollars over the last 10, 20 years, or we can solve the real systemic issues um, and, and put money to work in, in better, more efficient ways. You guys are really kind of reinventing the model for what a telecommunications company can and should be, right? Well, that's the idea. And I, mean, I think that's part of the reason why it's um, <laughs> we've had it. There's there's so much of the foundational elements we've had to sort of redo um, mm-hmm. all the way from, you know, creating an agile routing protocol. And one, one thing that's really interesting about the way that we do routing is we actually weight it by price. It's called a price aware routing protocol. So okay. anyone that's part of an Althea network. So if you have Althea at your home, you'll see on your dashboard, you'll have a slider bar. One side will be cost and the other side will be quality. And like, and this, so this is like a latency selector. And right. um, on a minute by minute basis, you can decide which you want to wait more. If you want a more cost effective connection, you want a better quality one, and it'll route through the internet based on your choice on a minute by minute basis. Wow. Um, and then- You know what's it's interesting? Just, I'm sorry I did interrupt, but that that sounds like what long distance telephone companies have been doing for years and years and years. They call it least cost routing. It's what's caused a lot of, unfortunately, issues in the broadband or in the uh, telephone space. But you, I would think you guys are doing it with a lot more intelligence and you're letting the consumer choose that least cost route as opposed to mandating it upon someone based on the company's profit motives. 
Well, that's right. And I think that's really where we're trying to shift the balance of power back. And then the other uh, the other sort of piece of it that's really crucial is um, that as it routes through the different connections, it automatically pays people who are hosting a tower or a mile of fiber or have infrastructure. So in many of our communities, that might be a tower at, um, you know, uh, that's on a farmer's home or, right. uh, you know, it could be at like one, in one community, it's at the library, right, or a municipal building. And then mm -hmm. those folks are paid just sort of programmatically. Um, so it allows the community to benefit and keep that money local um, and build much more efficiently, not only and then also kind of shifting the power, power back to consumers to choose on a minute by minute basis, which is really, you know, we got the idea for for this based on how carriers charge each other at the internet exchange. So right. all the way back in the mid, <laughs> you know, then you have peering and there's a lot more flexible models. You have this meet yeah. me room, everyone comes together and you have um, a really open market that has created cost pressure downward. So year mm -hmm. over year, over the last 20 years, costs have gone down year over year, bandwidth capacity has gone up at the internet exchange. But right. that hasn't translated into this at the last mile. So Althea's really the thesis is that, hey, we can take that um, model that's working really well for carriers and apply it all the way down to the to the the, the last, uh, last mile. And now we're even looking at we're tackling IoT and, and, and cellular and, as well. Absolutely. So the consumer can benefit from those efficient cost efficiencies, okay. not just the yeah. provider's bottom line. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I've got it. I want to I want to work through a scenario with you because this is a scenario based on an actual person who is yeah. a C-band member. And I think I may have referred them to you, but I just kind of want to do a little thought exercise here. So I live out in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. There's no broadband. Uh, I can't even get any existing wireless services because I'm in a valley and me and my neighbors are all desperate for broadband. And by golly, I just think I want to solve this problem. Uh, it, it sounds like for someone like that or some group of people like that, that working with you guys might be a great approach as far as building your own little micro network. Absolutely. And that's really what we kind of work on at Hawk is we take, mm -hmm. um, you know, essentially the Althea's kind of broadband Legos or bricks or whatever that these tools and say, okay, let's look at your topology. Let's look at where you might have middle mile. Who can we partner with? And, you know, do a lot of that, the, the heavy lifting on the planning side that comes with that expertise in telecommunications and right. infrastructure, and then help that community, uh, you know, use these tools to solve that. Um, which usually, you know, means working with a middle mile or utility or someone else who might have connectivity nearby. Yeah. Sometimes it even means like working with a um, timber company or something. Or uh, in Iowa, you're not going to have that, but you have a co-op sometimes that'll. Lots have. of farm elevators out there. Yes. Lots of them are. <laughs> some of those are the primary vertical assets for some of the existing wireless providers that are out there. Yeah, and a lot of what we're doing right now too is also building basically private 4G, 5G networks for farms to you know be able to have their connected automated vehicles and things like that and then that also can be used to connect broadband in their community too so yeah. it's a, has that that multi-purpose that is huge in the ag belt and a frequent yeah. source of complaints from people working in the ag industry that um i i can't get broadband where i need it which is on my tractor in the middle of a 600 acre field and and uh uh cellular coverage being what it is. So it sounds like you guys have been involved in uh, solving for those problems as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a critical issue now as you have um, more of an aging farming population that's going to be more relying on automated vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. We also see a lot of monopolization kind of coming in from John Deere um, oh, yeah. in that. So this really brings that sovereignty of networking and data back to the farmer who now can set up his own their own network um, and bring that back, that data back to their own computers and, and use that for what they need it to or as well as, you know, automate the farm and, you know, right. provide connectivity and be a piece of that. So it really, it's that, um, and this is why I sort of love like working with rural folks as well too. It's like part of that local solution. Well, and rural folks have had to be very creative over the years. They're not afraid to usually sleep outside the box because they've had to for generations in order That's to insane. sustain their livelihoods, their lives, their families, et cetera. So, um, so, one of the things that's interesting that you're able to do through Althea as that kind of operating system that I think is really fascinating is lower the barrier for entry because a lot of times the te telecommunications networks don't always scale very well, right? Um, you know, it may cost so many dollars per connection, but and and that may not be a lot different um, whether it's five or a hundred, but some of the some of the infrastructure the administrative infrastructure you need behind that to make it work just does not scale you know a traditional oss bss system for a fiber network or a billing operating system for fixed wireless is going to cost you thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars and and it looks like because you guys are using uh, uh blockchain for this um I don't want to get into the weeds on, on blockchain because, <laughs> A, I would be lost in those weeds, and I'm sure our listeners would too, but you're using the intelligence in the network to help control that and also to make sure funds are transferred to the people that that um, earn them. Yeah, that, that's right. And and really what it, it is, is it, it's, it's, it's about flexibility. So it yeah. allows, you know, essentially what happens is machine to machine payment. So as mm -hmm. that is getting routed through, it's essentially paying people programmatically. It's a bit like um, solar systems that, you know, if you put solar on your roof and you're contributing back to the grid, you get some money back off your bill. This is a bit right. basically like how that works in just a real programmatic way. So you just deploy the infrastructure. You don't have to worry about sending someone an invoice. Um, they don't have, you don't have to worry about, okay, I paid them this much. It all just happens, uh, mm -hmm. you know, sort of automatically. That also allows, um, I think that's kind of what we're working on right now is it also will allow for different funding methods um, because yeah. you can crowdsource um, or uh, lend or borrow against that revenue that you know is going to be coming, you know, programmatically. And that's what I'm really excited about right now. We've spent a lot of time working on tooling for builders and now we're kind of working at, okay, now how do we match the, the builders with the funding? And that's really where we get those economies of scale. And so we can take yeah. these community models and start kind of federating that and almost, uh, and really start scaling, scaling things now too. But Hawk also does do a lot of the, um, you know, planning and expertise bit that makes it kind of hard to scale as well. So what, give me an idea of a range of size from like the smallest network that you guys are involved in to the largest network in terms of like customers or premises served. Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think we're still pretty kind of like early. So most of like mm -hmm. the rural networks are going to be in the 150 to, you know, 
couple of hundred range, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, the urban ones, uh, we've been fortunate to work with some nonprofits to, you know, build in some of the urban areas. Um, and those are, those are kind of just getting started, but they're going to be around like, you know, around a thousand a piece or something. Okay. Like that, okay. Right. So we're still kind of getting, getting started right now. I'm, I'm excited about bringing, getting that funding and really kind of pouring some gas into, to these networks. Absolutely. Well, there's no doubt the need is there and, you know, that's, what's, that's what uh, we as a nation have been built on is innovators like you guys identify a need, serve a niche, niche and then are able to grow from that. So I think you, you position yourselves really well to be able to do that. Well, yeah, we think we have a, a basically an adjustable market that's 72 million people um, that are using those prepaid phones. So that's right. Think, that's you know, right. there's a lot of folks to serve. Well, if uh, someone who's watching or listening today um, wanted to find out more information, how would they get a hold of uh, of you, Deb, at Althea? So, Deborah, um, yeah, so the Althea site, althea.net, is mostly about kind of the protocol behind things. But you can yep. find us also at Hawk Networks. That's like the bird. Um, okay. Hawknetworks.net. And um, there's a contact us form. We'd be happy to help, you know, support your vision. I just showed the the web address for Althea, but I'm going to change that now so I can show Hawk Networks. Um, and um, what states are you actually currently active in? So we were, we're I, don't, I don't want to test your memory here, but. <laughs> so we have 10 states. Um, we are in Illinois and Indiana, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Montana, North Carolina, Texas, and Georgia. I think that's, oh, New Mexico. New Mexico um, too. Okay. Yeah. And you spread um, out. I mean, it's not just one little area. You're coastal and you're on the other coast. And yeah. Yeah. And that's actually in, in terms of like our core infrastructure, that's allowed us to essentially create a backbone of um, also service and the kind of internet exchanges. So if one yeah. region fails over and so, um, you know, we've got a pretty darn good foundational, you know, core network as well that, that people can connect and tap into. And what, what is your background personally where before this brilliant idea came up that you helped uh, put into practice? So um, geek? <laughs> pretty much I would say radio nerd, but I think that's pretty much the same vein. Um, ham radio operator building okay. like mesh networks. Um, I, I was a, it was involved in advocacy and activism for freedom of the internet, you know, just sort of connecting neutrality and, and making sure that people had not only access, but they were not censored or throttled. Um, and uh, that's when I, you know, got a little bit frustrated by, you know, by that, but kind of on a policy perspective and yeah. Uh, switched to a systemic one, um, which I think has been been better for me. But I also ran a, um, a IT and MSP business for about a decade. Great, great. Well, you're doing good things. And I uh, really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your busy day to talk to us about this. Hopefully, I get to run into you again at future conferences. I, I You usually are at Mountain Connect, I believe. So maybe I'll see you there. If not, somewhere down the line, we'll run into each other and uh, we uh, look forward to hearing more as you guys continue to grow and keep solving for better broadband for more people. Appreciate it. And thanks for the work that you do getting the word out. Absolutely. That's uh, Deborah Simpier with uh, Althena slash Hawk Networks. And I put the, is that the right address? I think I put the right yep. address on the screen. Awesome. Appreciate taking the time. We want to thank everybody for uh, joining us here on Broadband Action. And we will see you back here next time.